Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Awakened Soul Podcast. This is episode 120, and this week I am joined by Jaden Hollywood to continue the Redefining the Image of the Black Male series. And this one, we are talking about it from a completely different perspective, as we like to add with these series. Um, next week is going to be episode 121. Obviously, because this is episode 120, we're going to be continuing the series on deconstructing transphobia. So I'm looking really uh, forward to that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's really it. Uh, I want to give a shout out to everything that uh, Dan and P are doing over with uh, a few loose screws podcast. I really can't say enough about just how important it is what those brothers are doing, discussing mental health from the perspective that they are doing it in. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's really good. Not only are they a part of the breaks media family, that's, that's really one thing or another is beside the point, but just the fact that, that they are tackling that subject from what they are. And then also on the flip side, shout out to dark sugar as well. The dark sugar podcast. If you guys are not listening to the dark sugar podcast, you definitely need to be, um, when those women joined the breaks media, I think they were only, um, three episodes in, um, into like what dark sugar was going to become. And it has since evolved into just a really great and introspective podcast. It really makes you think about the things in our society breaks it down. So I wanted to shout out those two podcasts specifically um, just because of what they're doing uh, for the culture and, and shout out to, to the host, the respective hosts on both those podcasts, but that's really it. I have no more prefacing left to do. We do have the end of mind. Hey, segment this week discussing, I'll let you guys see when you get there. So we're going to go ahead and get into our lovely intro, and I'll see you guys right after this. The following is a Breaks Media podcast. You are now listening to the best podcast in the world, The Awakened Soul, hosted by my daddy. So we're in the mind of Hayes, this dark and twisted ass place that is my crazy ass mind. And the first topic, the only topic that we have this week in the mind of Hayes segment is this Takashi 69 madness. Now, for anyone who listens to our hip hop podcast, which is the Breaks Radio, we'll be discussing this more in depth. Um, that actually drops on Thursdays. <clears throat> so you can definitely check that out there. That's the Breaks Radio if you want just the most comprehensive music podcast around. But nonetheless, um, so the, the thing that I kind of want to focus on um, with this Takashi 69 thing is I want to highlight the fact of like if everyone is really paying attention to what's going on here, maybe this may be the conspiracy theorist in me. Um, again, it, it's not it's some things that I'm using to support my argument, but there's no cold, hard facts that this is the rhetoric behind it, which it really is when it's something like this. But nonetheless, um, so with this with this, I really want everyone to pay attention to how this is going down. Yes, we all know Takashi 69 has been snitching, quote unquote, and uh, he's working with the feds. I personally think, for one, that he's been working with the feds a lot longer than what we think, um, or maybe a lot or maybe right along with what some people think. You got to keep in mind, this guy has been pointed to as being an um, industry plant literally for almost as long as he's been around or been at the height of his fame. So when you have someone who's going around, like the kidnapping footage being as high quality as what it is, some of the recordings that have come out, like this is all very high quality. Usually when stuff comes out like this, it sucks. And then from everything that I've been reading, the things that are being released to the public that we've heard about so far are only the tip of the iceberg of what's really come out so far. So if you can kind of see, like, like I said, that, like how well put together and how well prepared all this stuff is that's just leaking out. Imagine that... Overall, I think that this this case, it's all predetermined. Everything that's coming out to us, yes, it, it's shocking. All this shit's been predetermined. They know exactly how this trial is going to play out. They know exactly who's going to get what sentences and what or who they're really trying to get to, to flip. What's happening to Takashi is already predetermined. You can like I forgot what interview I watched, but it was a lady uh, who talks about law. 
who was saying that while the bravado of Takashi is gone, he's still very confident in what he's saying. Like, he knows he's going to be safe. They are bringing him in through tunnels. He has so much police protection or federal protection. Um, so, like, it's it's wild. But what I really want to talk about is the fact of what how they're using this to attack our culture. And if you think that they're not aware of what they're doing, if you think that they're not aware, like, with Cardi's name getting pulled in it, and yes, they're not going over, like, some of the huge names in hip-hop, but they are absolutely using this trial as a way to put down our culture and our music and also on top of that they used to i fully believe they used takashi 69 to infiltrate our culture and when we talk about like our us pure hip-hop heads we talk about me and Baylor talk about all the times on the burks radio when we speak on how soft this culture is and how like th there's not a there's not a protection to it anymore and i'm gonna say you guys don't get offended because if if you didn't do it but you let this motherfucker into our culture. You let this motherfucker into our music. You guys held him up and made him such a big deal. And now look at this shit. If this shit isn't a black eye to this generation and what they follow in music, I don't know what the fuck is. It's sad. And I get the whole snitching thing. You want to protect. But I, I don't believe that that's all what's going on here. I fully believe this dude was planted into our culture, planted into our music and and set to infiltrate what we what's ours and yes the gang culture or whatever that's a whole different story but when you really look at somebody who was uh, who i fully believe was an industry plant not even an industry plant a government plant into our industry and that you guys embraced him as much as what you did like the, the, this young generation, I hope this wakes you guys the fuck up to what you're doing and why it's important for people who speak on shit in music to really be from that culture and about that life. So to say, and I'll put that in a, in a phrase that the young people use, like seriously, you held this guy up because of his trolling, because of everything else. You, you let him, quote unquote, give off the gang life and gang gang culture, uh, big, calling himself the king of New York. Motherfuckers embrace this shit. And then now look at this. This is y'all king. This is your king. And I didn't even set out to like make that reference, but really, let's talk about it. This is who the this is the people that this generation held up and loved was Takashi motherfucking 69, the same motherfucker who's sitting on the stand bringing down our culture. A motherfucker who prior to all the tattoos and shit was going to like I believe he was going to a fucking private school. Like the, you guys allowed allowed someone like this into it. And so because of that, you guys got to reap what you sow at this point. That same generation that was held in Takashi as the king of New York and loving the, what the fuck he was doing. This is this. Y'all got to own up to this. You guys got to take your place in allowing this motherfucker to get as deep as what he did. And shoddy and everyone around him. Stupid. Like when you really and this goes back to what I said about the, him being, I feel like a government plant. When you look at shoddy and he was on love and hip hop, when was gangsters move in silence? And for someone that was up that high to feel that comfortable in doing that, they allowed him to feel that comfortable. They lured him into a sense of false security to where he felt they felt they were untouchable. The nine trades felt like they were untouchable because they felt like they were running everything. And now look at what we're doing. Rico, Rico charges, something that's very rarely used, has brought down a whole group of people. And I'm not laying it all at the foot of Takashi 69 because it's come out that there, there are more people who've turned state evidence. But again, I think that a lot of those people turned after they got caught. I fully believe Takashi has been a plant this whole time. Call me crazy, whatever you want. This is a really deep episode. We're going to get into redefining the image of the black male, but I could not let myself go even until Thursday when the breaks radio release to talk about this. We'll get more in depth with it there. I'll see you guys there. We're going to take a brief musical and commercial break on the other side of that. It's going to be me and Jaden Hollywood. Hey guys, it's your girl Beck Easy. Hi everybody, it's your girl Joanne. Hey guys, it's Trell and this is The, the team. team. And we want to welcome you into our group chat where we talk any and everything from ABCs of sex to finding your passion. Catch us every other Tuesday on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and YouTube. Because we lit. Take that, take that. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Awakened Soul. This is actually episode 120. 
uh, not counting the bonus episodes, which is just wild. But I have a special guest, someone who has not, I haven't podcasted with you in well over a year. That's Mr. Jaden Hollywood himself. What's going on? What's going on? So we'll get into like everything you've had going on, man, because it's, it's mm-hmm. been a lot. You you stepped away for a while, which I always commend people when they're able to step away from social media. You came back and it's just like announcement after announcement after announcement. So your most recent one is you're actually going into business for yourself, like not clocking anyone else's clock anymore, man. Let's talk about how you got there, because that's an important piece. And I think so many people are afraid to make that leap. So because you made it, I want to pick your brain about it a little bit. Well, um, what I will say is that I feel like I've always had an entrepreneurship spirit. I feel like I think about um, things a lot differently than other people. In every job that I've been in, I've always come in and tried to, you know, make processes better and things of that nature. So people who always come into a job situation, even if it's a a job that's only paying me $8 an hour, I'm trying to think of the best way to make this uh, company profitable. So I, I, I feel like, it was destined for me, honestly. I really didn't have. I don't really. It's either go into entrepreneurship or just be unhappy for the rest of your life. And so, and I choose to be happy, and I choose to take control of my life. So I have been um, at the accounting firm that I've been at for the past four years, and um, now that I have officially reached all the requirements in order to become a certified public accountant and I have the knowledge I have the personality I have the skills I have everything that I need to be on my own mm-hmm. it makes no sense for me not to be on my own since you know I I like to travel y'all know people who have known me for years know I make moves okay yeah, yeah. Not- money moves but I be making moves and that requires a certain amount of income so you know for the lifestyle that I want to live I know that there's a certain income that I need to make and unfortunately when you're working as an employee for a company many um, in W-2 jobs your income is pretty much capped at a certain amount there are certain limits and I, I, that's not comfortable for me. So uh, with the skills and and knowledge that I have, my earning potential is unlimited. So I'm going to take that and do what it do so that I can live the life that I want to live. And that's amazing. I think like, and I've said this before on my shows, like the biggest thing, like the worst thing that we all do is like, we go to a job and let people tell us how much, how much money our time's worth an hour. And it's bull when you think about it. Um, so for you to be able to take that step, I applause, bro. I'm so happy for you, man. You. Even like just seeing you talk about it, you light up like it. You seem so happy. So thank you, uh, man. It, you're you're inspiring me. So thank you for that. No problem. I mean, I feel like there needs to be employees in this world, or yeah. else you know, all everybody can't be an entrepreneur. Let's keep yeah. it real. Not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. So if you are that person that are that is okay with working your job, listening to this podcast, whatever your job is, if you are happy going to your job every day, then cool. But for us that like to be business owners and like to be in control, then I would suggest that you start a plan. Everything that you do needs to be strategic. If you want to be a chef, and you working at Walmart, those two that that's not, you know, what I'm saying those two paths are not parallel. They're like going in two completely different directions. Yeah. So what people got to understand is that your dream is not going to it's not going to happen overnight. Sometimes it takes years. It took yeah. me years to get where I am today. If I was presented with the opportunity four years ago, I would have not been prepared to you know, take on what I'm taking on now. So understand that it is a journey, but it's if you want to be an entrepreneur, it's your job to start it. That's what's up. Well, we were here. So I, I had this episode. It was entitled Redefining the Image of the Black Man. And so mm-hmm. in which we talked about, we bucked a lot of the trends and a lot of the public perception of what it is to be a black man. We don't, we're not emotional. We don't know how to communicate. We're abusers. We're cheaters. Like, so I wanted to really break down that. And in doing that episode, the feedback that I got made me realize that there's no way that we can do, we can completely redefine the image of the black man by just telling 
one specific story in that. So I can I, I wanted to do a series on that. And one of mm-hmm. the most like stereotyped um, sections of the black man is the gay black man. And I mm-hmm. like and not to just define you as as just your sexuality defines you. And we'll talk about that, too, because there's some of that. But. I wanted to. I, I wanted someone who was going to be willing to to not only talk about it, but to educate me, educate the listeners on just some of how that public perception is wrong and how it affects you and the way that you live your day to day life. So I want to thank you for coming on and being willing to talk about it because it's not an easy conversation to have. So uh, not everyone would have accepted it. So I thank you for that. No problem. <laughs> so before we get into the nitty gritty and I get all into your shit, which. I guess that's that's what I'll be doing with these questions I'm going to ask. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about your podcasting story. So you, you're no longer podcasting, right? Okay, so let me get into it. So, yeah, a lot of people know me for an unapologetic podcast. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, while I was I had did my final episode on like New Year's Eve of 2018. And I realized during that month those few months of being on off of social media i was really doing a lot of discovery of what my future looks like what my brand that i choose to put out there is going to look like and what my goals are right Mm -hmm. and anything that didn't fall in line with that then i had to make the conscious decision to to end it right so the unapologetic podcast it was cool but it just it just didn't fit in with the overall brand which i'm and and with everything that i'm trying to do which is all surrounded around financial literacy okay in the black community we don't talk enough about money and I'm I'm here to change that, you know, people. And I feel like a lot of the topics that I was talking about was a lot of the same topics that other people were talking about, but I was giving it a more intellectual point of view. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't want to hear that woke shit. Let's just keep it real. A lot of people don't want to hear, don't want to hear um, the alternative way of thinking about something that we see in, this, in the media, right? Yeah. So... It was kind of like beating a dead horse. Although I do kind of feel bad because there was a good amount of listeners. But, I mean, I got to do what's best for me, right? Yeah. So with that, I created a new podcast, The Bottom Line Podcast, where um, I talk. It's similar to Unapologetic Podcast. So we talk about music, movies, and money. The only issue is that um, this past year, I've just, it's, this CPA journey ain't mm-hmm. no joke. Yeah. You pretty much in law school and working full time, you know, so the podcast just um, been taking a back burner, like for real, for real, yeah. to keep honest with you. And at the end of the day, I got I got bills to pay. I got certifications to get and I got to do I got to do where the, I got to go where the money is first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but 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 I am returning real soon. I'm okay. talking about like. By the end of this month, I swear to y'all, it's going to be an episode or two out. And we're going to be back Good. on the first and 15th journey. I literally, I have, I'm already started planning a whole um, tax season, tax season, season for the show. Um, I put together different episodes because I'm going to be doing interview episodes and I'm going to be doing segmented episodes. So I've already gotten like five to 10 special guests. So it's a lot. I've done a lot of the planning. It's just I need to execute it. But um, now that my free time will soon be freed up a little more, I'll have full flexibility on what I do. Then I can now I, I finally have the freedom to give more time and effort and energy into my creative journey. So, yeah, make sure you still follow the bottom line. That's D.A. bottom line. <laughs> uh, and yeah, stay tuned because I'm bringing I'm bringing the topic of money in a, in a way that the listeners can digest. So I don't do long episodes. I'm trying to keep it 30 minutes or less. Okay. And I'm always bringing top. I'm always bringing it in a way that the listeners can relate to. So when I say I'm talking about money, I'm talking about. For example, on my last episode, the cost of cannabis. I was talking about Snoop Dogg's first CD because I mean, when you think about cannabis. 
you think about Wiz Khalifa, you think about Snoop Dogg, and Snoop Dogg is a class. I mean, he's just a classic artist, you know, and his first album definitely was a classic album, I believe, in rap. And the numbers don't lie. So, you know, I'm talking about stuff like that. I'm talking about um, movies that are that are popular in black culture. I'm talking about how much the movie spent, how much the movie brought in. So all of these things, they all they all relate to uh, my target audience, which is black millennials. That's what's up. That's what's up. I'm glad to hear this is coming back. I didn't even know that before we started this conversation. So that just got me hyped. I'm 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 proud of you, man. I'm happy that you're bringing that back because it's needed. Like financial literacy is something that in our community <laughs> we don't talk about, and we just assume that everyone's that our our like our parents assumed we were going to figure it out. At least mine did. I can't speak for everyone's, and, and you know we don't have the, enough of those conversations. So it's good that you're doing that. I appreciate that. Um, so in talking about your podcasting story, question that I wanted to ask just because of why we're here and what we're here to talk about, have you ever faced backlash for being a gay man in the podcasting space from outside the LBGT community or even within it? Oh yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, you know, I'm listen, I've, I don't know how many of your listeners are from the DMV, but if you grew up, if you survived middle school, in the District of Columbia or Maryland's PG County area, you've survived a lot of trauma, okay? okay. So um, you just learn to build tough skin. So, yeah, I mean, there's been times where uh, I've seen comments where I've been called the F word and, you know, stuff like that. But um, nobody says shit to my face and ain't nobody gonna pull up on me and anybody that say shit on the internet best believe they ain't never gonna step to me <laughs> so there you go that's why I don't, I don't be worried about that 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 little shit you know what i'm saying yeah. that's not really gonna make a difference because at the end of the day you can call me the f word all you want but at the end of the day my credit score probably look better than yours and my bank account probably got more than yours well, there you go so <laughs> um, yeah that's that but you know i'm a very outspoken person so there has been times in which I have gotten into uh, debates or arguments, depending on how you look at it, with people surrounding LGBT topics. Um, I just feel like if you have a platform, then I just feel like it's kind of important to... I think it's important to that what you're putting out there is quality and what you're putting out there is the truth and what you're putting out there is not hate speech because right. people fail to realize that we literally like people really follow us. And when people are listening to us, they're digesting what we're saying into their brain, just like when you eat a meal and that food digests in your body, when you're listening to a podcast, you're digesting that auditory stuff. So if you're if you keep digesting trash, if the world is digesting this trash ass audio, then the the world is that that in a way that podcast is going to be producing trash ass people. So true. if I hear the shit on a show that I like, I'm going to call you out. And and we either going to, I'm either going to bring something to your attention that you probably didn't, you probably didn't think about it that way, or we just going to agree to disagree and then just be the end of it. But um, I cannot, I cannot just sit and listen and, and let the shit, like the bystander effect where you just watch something go down and you don't say nothing. I can't do that. Okay. So, yeah. There has been some, there has been some, some, um, some, some back and forth, but I always have the last word. <laughs> yeah. And, and too, a lot of times like with, and you actually were one of the first people, like when I started getting, you know, some, not some, some of the, the hate speech, like on, on, uh, on Twitter or whatnot, you were one of the first people to tell me like, Hey, where you going? Don't even worry about those people. Just just do you. Let your success tell the story itself. And I, and I appreciated that. And it's kind of changed my outlook. Like now, I just I haven't been in the Twitter back and forth in so long because honestly, if people try to lure me into one, I'm like, you got it. Like whatever. Right. Yeah. I I mute the comments because I realized that um a lot of people are just you know a lot of people mentally aren't on the same level as you. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So if you in a sunken place, we ain't never. We ain't never gonna have an intellectual conversation because you don't. It's it's certain things that you just don't even understand. Like you yeah. could never understand with your current mind state. I could explain it to you for eight hours straight, and you still wouldn't get it. Um, but I, I will say, in, as far as the podcast, the black podcast community is concerned, that I have had a lot of positive experience interacting with both 
people in the LGBT community and not in the LGBT community. Um, and I think, I think that one, my personality, like I'm, I'm a very uh, vocal person, so I'm comfortable talking to people I don't know. I'm comfortable talking to people that I've never met before. I'm going to networking events by myself. I'm hosting events, and I'm, I'm, I find people that are uncomfortable and by themselves, and I try to make them feel comfortable. So I think that that has attributed to that. But also, I have to understand. I have to say that I do think that there is a little bit of privilege that I have because I am because of the way I present myself. If I were a more feminine presenting person, let's say I were a person that wore wigs, fake nails, lipstick, things of that nature, I don't think that I would have the same interactions that I've had, um, you know, with the people that I've had. And that's just because a lot of people aren't really... I mean, this the non-gender conforming is it's new to people. They mm-hmm. don't. It's not something that they have encountered in their daily life. It's not something that people have encountered even in their childhood. So you have to understand that visually, when you see something that's odd, that's different, there's going to be a little like your brain has to process it. You know, yeah. Like like imagine imagine if you were to see a shark walking down the sidewalk. Yeah. You would be confused as fuck, right? You would yeah. be like, "Whoa, whoa," <laughs> you know, yeah. and because your your brain has to process it because it's because that's not the norm to you, you know what I'm saying? Um, and you know, with it, in the conversation that we're gonna have today, I think that the media is doing a good job in exposing the world to the different uh, the different sides of the LGBT community. Okay, and we and we can hop right into. It. I had an icebreaker question. Me and you know each other. There's really no ice to break, so we can skip okay. the icebreaker question unless you want it. Do you want the icebreaker question? Yeah, let's do it. Let's right. do it. Let's, let's let's try. So I, I didn't tell you this before because I kind of this was something that I didn't want you to prepare for. I want you, just your raw answer. So if someone told you you can work for a company, clocking in, clocking out, but you can make as much money as you want to, or you can do whatever the hell you want to do, be an entrepreneur, but live middle class for the rest of your life. Which one would it pick and would you pick and why? Mm, 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 mm. You playing these games. I mean, shit. Listen, I'm not opposed to being an employee. Let's just get it straight. You know, I'm opposed to being broke. I'm opposed to being poor. And I'm opposed to living anything less than what six figures. Okay. Straight up. I barely meet black people that make make six figures, and not, and people think that like making a hundred thousand dollars is like impossible, and it's really not impossible. Yeah. So, shoot, if if I had a job that I mean, do I like this job that I'm fucking in and out? <laughs> I mean, am I only working forty hours a week? Because <laughs> these things, these these, like if I'm on, if I if I have a balance, and I, you know, what I'm saying I can, I have. I can literally live the life that I want and still be an employee, then that's probably the way I'm going to go because I'm sorry, but the middle class is, I'm just not settling. I'm not, I'm not settling. Um, Middle class. It's just not for me. It's not, it's not where I want to be. It's not. And I don't have to settle for it. So, and I figured that I knew that was going to be a good one because it's like, all right, <laughs> balancing my entrepreneurship or my or my money. It's it's which which one? So I, okay, good. I'm glad I caught you off guard with that. that your face when I was saying it, it, it made it worth it. <laughs> yeah. So getting into what we're going to discuss today, the first topic that we have on here is the the depiction of of gay men in media. And so usually historically it is changing, and and you know, it's it's changed. I do want to make sure in going into this that I do say that it is changing. We're getting more shows like Pose and just depiction of gay men in general. There's a show I watch on Netflix. I can't remember it now, but they do a great job of just depicting it, not making a big deal or highlighting it. It's just people living their life. But historically, um, in film and TV, uh, gay men have been uh, simplified as being sensitive, unsure of themselves, or defined by their sexual uh, preference or their sexual uh sexualness is just having sex with a lot of people that's typically historically how how gay people have been depicted in the media what do you what do you how do you feel about that depiction or how does that how how have you felt about it growing up and seeing that and we can also talk about how it's changing also um to me i think that um i have seen a shift in the way that gay men specifically are being portrayed in the media i think growing up i 
would only see the gay friend. Like, you're always an accessory, and that's about it. And, yeah, it. I think that they, they always had the overly feminine man, which is a part of our reality. There are men that are like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So just because I'm not the one that's wearing a purse or wearing heels, I'm not going to say that those men don't exist because they definitely do. Um, but I think that we have to understand that show business is show business, and a lot of what we see on TV is exaggerated. Mm-hmm. And it's fiction at that. And over the past few years, now in adulthood, I've noticed that, there, like I said, that there has been various different um, aspects of the gay community that are being shown. And I think that shows like Pose do a good job of showing kind of like historically um, the many different, many different shades and and shapes and 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 upbringings. I mean, it does a great job of showing a lot of different sides of it. Um, and even uh, what's the show? What's the show on Netflix? Dear White People. So yes. even a show like yeah. that, um, I've seen over the past couple of seasons that they've shown a lot of different sides of gay men. I mean, at the end of the day. Unfortunately, they're they're we're still men at the end of the day, exactly. right? Uh-huh. So naturally, our hormones are different than women. So naturally, um, men are more sexual in nature. So if you see gay men having a lot of sex on TV, I I, I can't necessarily say that that is not a reality because that is a reality for a lot of people, both gay and straight, Mm -hmm. if we keep it real. Um, So I just, I'm just appreciative that, you know, that there, that the media, that there are opportunities for, um, for gay black men specifically to get jobs in show business and that they are really showing the different sides of our community. And I I think I want to say this. um, I I just want to pause and for all the ignorant people that feel like seeing gay people on TV is going to change your child and that it's the it's the, um, you know, the white man has an agenda. Um, I'm sorry to inform you, but that's not the case. Unfortunately, um, that's not how it works. You don't watch gay people on TV and then become gay because if that's the case, all the gay people that have been watching forced to watch straight people on TV on on ninety five percent of programming yeah. would be straight. Okay, so I know that you feel intelligent because you reposted something that you saw on that hotel page that you found on Facebook, but I'm sorry to inform you that that is false okay i'm glad you pointed that out that's that's a great point um a a question that i that i had on here that i wanted to ask and i probably should have led with this one but like how how do you differentiate when someone is like a trade person is trying to be inclusive or trying to understand rather than like make a mockery because even like in doing this and doing this episode there are a lot of people who with me asking all these questions and really digging deep would be like all right what, what what is really your purpose of doing this because they have to be hesitant because people do try to use it for their own means or they want to seem like they're inclusive and not be inclusive how do you differentiate that how do you i guess go through the weeds and figure out who who's really trying to learn and who's just trying to give off the impression that they're learning i mean it's either one or two ways if it's virtual then i just use context clues like do i know this person did this person just come out the blue um, the verbiage that they're using, um, you know, are, is this person using hate speech? But in person, it's much easier for me to read because I'm an empath. I could mm-hmm. feel energy and I literally have no control over it. It just happens. So um, I can feel when you're coming at me with some real hateful energy. But usually people don't, don't I, I don't get those people that ask questions just to be funny or hateful. Um, I don't know if maybe it's just how I, how, something that I'm giving off. But usually when, I, I would say all the time, when people are asking me a series of questions mm-hmm. regarding the community, it's really them being in inquisitive and really wanting to know for understanding okay 
are you are you have you found that like in in your circle have you kind of been the one to educate people in the community who aren't part of the community like have you been that safe place of them to try to come and find understanding yes i have um but i will say i feel like a lot of people that i come across have they have it like 75 percent because it's because we're in the the climate that we're in people are feeling more comfortable and being out and not being in, in the closet. So it's hard to meet straight people who have who have not come across gay people in my experience. Okay. Um, because I don't really interact with people that grow up in old country boondock towns mm-hmm. and never get out that, you know, city. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't I usually don't interact with people like that. So um so the people that I interact with usually have already ask questions of other people and maybe you know they just i just need to fill in the blanks type of situation but uh, yeah i I have noticed that people do feel comfortable asking me questions what was it like going from the dmv to atlanta like that that switch and i guess moving is stressful either way but like what was that like for you well hmm, i'm gonna keep it real (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't always Mr. Money Moves, okay? okay? I moved down here with a 2012 Chevy Sonic. Y'all got to look up how small that car is. Gas effect, though. That. Gas effect. Yeah, sure <laughs> it is. I, um, it, it only cost me like $40 to get down here. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was interesting. I moved down here with no job. I moved down here with no friends. I was prepared to be homeless because I I knew this is where I needed to be. Okay. But um, I figured it out on the way out down here. Honestly, I was just making calls, texting people, and I figured it out. Um, but I, oh my God, I love it down here because I, before living here, I was living in Baltimore for five years for my undergrad degree at Towson University. And Baltimore is not, it's not a, it's like a, I honestly, I can see it is a dark cloud above the the whole city. And, and there's just so much trauma that the black community in Baltimore has suffered and hasn't um have not healed from you know it's not a it's not an easy city to grow up in it's not it's not a place where i wanted my future to be um and a lot of people that live there aren't even happy if we gonna keep it real the people that 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 be claiming to be the prince of baltimore or the princess of or the queen of baltimore (laughs) they don't really want to be there (laughs) come on now Come on now. Okay. You know you notice that those people though those people they don't keep that title very long. Yeah. They really don't because I mean that's such a small I mean like that's to me it's such a small achievement to be able to call yourself the queen of Baltimore or the king of Baltimore or the prince of Baltimore, you know, when um, there's only like two, three popping nightclubs out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to shit on the city and say that the city is trash, but let's keep it real. There's a lot of there's a lot of shit going on that ain't good shit. Niggas are getting shot every day. The year that I moved here, it was. I remember I went back to visit in November, and it, it had already been over 300 homicides. Oh wow. There's only what 365 days in a year, right? Yeah. So that means that somebody is getting killed every day, not dying, but getting killed by another person every single day, pretty much. Wow. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. who wants to? I, I don't want to be around that. I and I and I know people die every day. I know people get killed every day, but I'm not going to purposely put myself in an environment like that. And on top of that, I realize that cities that are cold tend to not okay so (laughs) this is gonna sound crazy right okay so i have two theories one theory i feel like um inner cities and cities that have a high black population have a poor water quality okay i feel like flint is just one of many cities if we were to do a test 
If we were to like test tap water in white neighborhoods in Maryland versus Baltimore City, I can almost guarantee you that the water in the white neighborhoods is better than in the in the city. And people fail to realize that the water, like literally, the water that you shower with, the water that you cook your food with, it really fucks with you mm-hmm. physically and mentally. Okay. So that's one theory. And the second theory, I feel like people who live in cities that are just that are cold are just angry. I mean, it, it, listen, I feel it. Like, who the fuck wants like it's it's against our nature to be cold. Like we're from Africa, we're from um the islands. We we not meant to be in zero degree weather. Yeah. You know, it goes against our, our our being. So shit, niggas niggas are so fucking mad they just shooting because it's so fucking <laughs> cold. You know what I'm saying? Oh man, that's then, an interesting theory, but I feel it feel it though. It makes sense when you think about it. It really does make sense. Um does. Yeah, as saying the person who lives in Ohio, the winters here are fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, people down here, down south, they just a little, they just more happy. Yeah, you know. And in Atlanta, it's like Black Hollywood. Like, yeah, I mean, there's gonna be fake people everywhere, but at the end of the day, in Atlanta, I've seen, I have literally helped so many people move down here and get jobs within thirty days, like successful jobs, like paying over fifty thousand dollars, and then you got your own place, like. Like Atlanta is that city where we we look out for our people, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like that I get that a, a lot up north. Maybe in D.C., but in Baltimore, oh no, okay. you want your own. Wow, well that's what's up. Uh, damn, dropping knowledge. You just came. You you were prepared for that. I feel like that that was that was something you've been waiting to get off your chest because you just came. No, it's, just, <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just off the cuff. It's real. <laughs> And another thing, um, I don't know. This this gonna this gonna hurt some feelings, right? Okay. But the cold weather is um, cities where they have cold weather. I've realized um, that they tend to have um, they tend to have more people with smaller dicks. And I know that that sounds crazy, right? But I was listening to um, I was listening to the I Said No podcast by Stephanie, the Life Architect, and she was saying that the co- in the cold weather that your body um, centers all of its heat into the core, right? Mm-hmm. So 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 our penises kind of like like go in because you know not all not all of your penis that you see that's not the whole thing some of it is inside right so so a lot of your penis tends to go to the core so that's why in countries like you know like in africa where it's hot as fuck they be having the mandingos because it's hot (laughs) as fuck the the dick ain't got no reason to hide you know what i'm saying so you got to think about it. You want to you got a small ass dick. It's cold for 6 months of the year. It's hard for you to get a successful job. The water quality is bad. That 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 right there can lead a person to madness. That can lead somebody to want to shoot somebody. Well, there is no shooting straight from J- Jaden Hollywood. That's what's up. I, I I love it though. I love it. Um, I'm just saying it's the truth. I think more. I think more black people need to come move to the south. They say Atlanta fools. No, we not. Come on. Yeah. You, I mean, as long as you can deal with traffic, it's fine. Come Man, on. Man, listen. The traffic in Atlanta is something else. Jobs. When I was in listen, Atlanta, that that it drove me crazy. It it took like you, it took like like thirty minutes to go eight miles. I was like, what is happening here? Oh yeah, you'll get used to it. Hey, <laughs> hey. 30 minutes? Oh, okay, yeah, everything is 30 minutes away, technically. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really not that bad if you know how to maneuver. Like, for me, I don't hit traffic when I go to work because I don't even get on the highway. I specifically find an, found an apartment that was one that was on the same street as my job that I felt was affordable for me and had all my needs. And I live in this amazing 900 square feet apartment. I pay less than $1,000 and I, I have enough space for my home office. I have enough space for, to take, uh, to take, cause you know, I have multiple businesses. Mm-hmm. So I have enough space to take makeup clients. I have enough space to do photo shoots, video shoots, entertain people. And, and I got a nice spacious bedroom with two walk-in closets. So so you living? You know what you saying? You living. I'm living. <laughs> I'm living. I would not get this in Maryland. Yeah. I would be paying at least. I've I've done the research. Even in my neighborhood that I grew up in, which is not the greatest neighborhood, um, those apartments where um, where you're known to get robbed if you don't have a hall pass, you're paying twelve hundred dollars a month. Oh damn! All right. Well, it's crazy. Yeah, that's that's wild. Let's um. 
lost my train of thought. Let's uh, this the last question in this segment. Um, I got this is this is one that I was really interested, to, like hear the answer to, and just see what your take would be on it. So like, the difference between masculinity and sexual preference. Why do you think, or if you don't, if you do think they should be viewed as one and the same? But I I, I phrase the question as why should masculinity and sexual preference not be viewed as one and the same? Because gay men are still masculine. A lot of them, like even if the one, even people who have effeminate ways, they still have masculinity. What do you think? I mean, because they're definitely not the same thing. Yeah, it's just we're comparing we're comparing apples to oranges. Yeah, they're both fruits, but they're definitely not the same. There's plenty of type of apples, and there's many different variations of oranges, tangerines, and grapefruits. So you know, just because somebody isn't super masculine doesn't mean that they're not heterosexual and vice versa. I have learned that sexuality in general is a spectrum. Like it's it's crazy the amounts of different um, like combinations that there are when it comes to masculinity, femininity, and sexuality. And my mind was so... When I met a trans couple, my mind was like forever changed. And this couple was a man that transitioned into a woman and then a woman that trans... No, 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 wait, wait, sorry, sorry, it's wrong. It was a, a man that transitioned into a woman was in a long-term relationship with a woman that was masculine presenting. Oh, so wow. okay. she, she's what we call a stud, mm -hmm. right? And then the woman was a trans woman and they were in a relationship. And I just thought that was interesting mm -hmm. because automatically you think if you are a man that you, and you transitioned into being a woman and you want to be with a man, but that's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm and I'm doing another series on on the deconstruction of transphobia, and I interviewed a trans woman named Sahara, and she said that too, like how people think that just because you transition into a woman, it automatically means that you're attracted to men, and that's not always the case. And it blew my mind when she said that because yeah, you see it, but to actually talk about it and and you experience it with a couple that you knew, it's it's it, it changes your your thinking on the whole spectrum, as you said. And honestly, I'm going to be 100% honest. I know this is going to hurt some feelings, but these discussions that are having, that are being had on different podcasts, whether something is gay or not, like I seen a post uh, uh, earlier where it was a dude who had his, he had a manicure, mm -hmm. not like, you know, any acrylic or anything, just a simple manicure. And his girlfriend had um, had fake nails, like green nails, right? Mm -hmm. And they, there was a picture of their hands together, and it was like, is this gay? Like, stuff like that is just yeah. so... It's 2019. It's late. Yeah. It's late. It's old. It's like, come on with this old recycled content. Grow the fuck up. Do some fucking research. If you're going to call yourself a podcaster, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, first of all, why you even, why, why is that even a topic? And why are you trying to police somebody else's masculinity or femininity? And how, what that, that doesn't even make any sense. Is this gay? What? Yeah. Being, being gay is about, it's a sexual thing. So how is getting your, you're getting a, a man getting a, ma a manicure gay you know what i'm saying it's just so it's just so ignorant like like find, find some new content create some content okay stop trying to reuse what has been talked about five years ago and come up with something new and and i'll talk about my own like journey like there there was a time in which honestly just and i hate to admit it i probably would have been looked at as homophobic it was it was so in my mind that i didn't want like I didn't I didn't want certain things to come off certain ways. Like, for example, skincare. I'm really big on taking care of my skin now. Like I exfoliate. I use a stretch. I can like, see. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, can see. I, so like I, I but like 10 years ago to, to do this much to take care of my face. I would have been like, no, nah, I don't want to come off as sweet. Like, but why? Why? Why is self-care? Why is that looked at as as like a thing? And I've had to grow from that. And luckily I have. But it's like people get so caught up in what the world may take things as or I need to be masculine and this is how I do it and it's like just be fucking you and it it doesn't matter like people get so caught up in dumb shit and for so long I was too and it's just like when like my uncle my uncle Sean who's not my birth uncle he's gay I love the hell out of uncle Sean and at one point I had to ask myself why why am I worried about anything else like why why am I worried about what people do in the bedroom why I'm worried about who thinks what is gay or anything if this person that I love and loves me 
Like, that's my uncle. What? Why the fuck? Like, why are we worried about it? And that completely changed my thinking. Why. Yeah, Go ahead. It's because black people are inherently conservative. Okay. That's why when all these black people are, are um, Republican and they wear a Make America Great Again hats, mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. I'm not outraged. I'm just, hmm. you know, because we have been um, stripped of everything, right? Mm. We literally were brought to this country and enslaved, and then they, generation after generation, had to instill in us different values um, that still linger today. We have colorism, we have homophobia. We we literally were forced, I know that this is a whole nother episode, but the whole concept of Christianity and praising a white Jesus yeah. and abiding by the rules of Christianity, of the Bible, the Bible is my problem. It's not Christianity, it's not Christians, it's the Bible and white Jesus that I have a problem with. Because if you really do your research a lot, I feel like Christianity is a gentrified version of our spiritual practices that we already had. Um, a lot of the spiritual practices, they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Where in, you know, where somebody might pray to Jesus, another person might just meditate and ask the universe, you know, ask the universe for positive things to happen into their life. Praying is it's very similar to manifesting. There are a lot of similarities between simil- uh, Christianity and spirituality. It, uh, you know, when it comes to our traditional African traditions from before we were enslaved. Um, but unfortunately, the negativity that is put into the, the Christian faith that we see with the KKK, because that's a Christian organization, the, the, the hate that is rooted that that somewhere along the line somebody that's got that was fucked up got put in power and they were able to to instill this hate into Christians and unfortunately that hate still lives on today yeah unfortunately um and i think that even gay people i still see it today where a lot of gay people have a lot of internal homophobia yeah um a lot of black people have internal racism now there is definitely a difference between elitism where you feel where you feel like oh (laughs) that's ghetto like i'm not like i'm not i'm not i'm not hanging with them because they ghetto versus i hate black people i have to get a perm i have to bleach my skin because i hate being brown you know um, and it's uh, the beauty of being an adult is that you have free reign to unlearn everything that you have learned as a child and create your own set of morals and rules. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, the last question that we have, or the last topic we have, is intersectionality. And it, and mm-hmm. just to define it, it's a theoretical framework that suggests that multiple social identities as uh, race, ethnicity, gender, and sexual orientation intersect at the individual or micro level or experience and reflects larger social structure inequities experienced on the macro level. It's a bit, lot of big words. Basically, mm-hmm. it means that as being a person who is kind of in the middle of a lot of different races or groups of people who suffer injustices and who are judged and everything like being black and gay and other mm-hmm. things, how do you think that that is that that affects you? How does that affect homophobia? How does that affect how the public doesn't talk about gay people sometimes as if they're people like it's 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 like they're they're a gender. They're just a race. Like we forget that people can be like you like you said before on a spectrum of multiple different things. How do you deal with that? Well, me myself, I honestly will admit again that I have been privileged to have a lot of opportunities where I've been presented with intersectionality opportunities for the speaking platform, on a working platform and things of that nature. And I think it's just, like I said, because the way I present my, the way that I naturally present myself is acceptable to a lot of people. Okay. okay? Um, but for people that who, who present themselves in a way where the masses aren't really accepting of them. It is kind of unfortunate that um, those voices aren't being heard because if you think about it, like I just think that there's so many conversations that are being had that are very, um, that aren't necessarily 
geared towards sexuality, but have a very heteronormative underlying. And I think that it is doing a disservice to the whole black community to have a conversation about anything black on a, on a large speaking platform without including the black gay community. Mm-hmm. I think it's just absolutely ridiculous that we're, we're, these these huge um, speaking organizations and platforms are not always including us, and that um, that they're that these voices are not being heard because there are there are different points that need to be brought to the table in order to educate people. Um, I will say that I do see a shift. I'll, I do, however, see a shift for the positive. Um, you know even on um, channels like Grapevine and stuff like that, I do see them um, attempting to bring uh, an array of different people of color to the table when it comes to having conversations, people like yourself, you know, conversations like that, like this need to keep going. Um, But we also need to have, we also need to think about what is the purpose, you know, like, I feel like there is there are people that are going to have takeaways from this conversation um, because you are you are a very creative person and you are very strategic in what you do and you know you know what you're doing. Unfortunately, not everybody knows what they're doing. You know, some people have have that one gay person that's a friend of a friend on their show and they not really they don't like they not really having a purpose they just they yeah. just talking shit you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so um i just have to say if you are a person that is in a community where you feel like you are not being offered intersectionality opportunities sometimes you got to be a boss ass bitch and boss up and just create your own lane and uh, and then eventually these hoes will get information and that's just is what it is. People won't have to respect you. Yeah. They're going to have to respect you. Think about it. A pod connection, which was like, you know, in the last one that was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many people came out? A lot of fucking people. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people came out because of me. Nobody was like, oh, nah, I can't go because, uh, nah, it was a gay dude that asked me to go. I'm not going. Nah, people came out because they don't care. Yeah. They don't care about my sexuality. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So they just they just know that this is this is a, a networking opportunity, a social opportunity that I'm interested in being a part of and I'm gonna be a part of it. And and I'm just the living testimony of somebody who had to boss up and do what I gotta do in order to get what I want in life. And in order to get my get my seat at the table. Sometimes you don't you don't even need a seat at the table. Sometimes you gotta go and build your own table exactly. and have them hoes come to your table. Exactly. And tell them hoes to bring a chair. <laughs> there you go. Great words from a great person. The great Jaden at that. Like that's <laughs> that's it, man. I have no other questions. Is there anything left on your heart or your mind? Anything that you want to say before we tell the people where they can find us and get the hell out of here? Yeah, I mean, listen, support a black business. If your credit score is below 700, you need to be working with me. My company, The Great Jaden LLC, we specialize in not only credit repair, but also credit restoration. So listen, if you're ready to, ready to make some money moves, you try and buy a house, you try and buy a new car, before you make that decision, you need to be working with me. Because nine times out of 10, if your credit score is below 700, you're going to be paying thousands of dollars extra the percentage of the fee that i'm going the fee that i'm going to charge you in order for me to get your credit score to where it needs to be is a, is is pennies compared to what you're going to pay in the long run in interest by rushing to go ahead and get that car or rushing to get that house that you really ain't qualified for. So go ahead. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm not one of these financial life coaches that get on Instagram and put that little soft music behind and tell you everything is going to be okay. All you got to do is pray. Nah, I'm going to tell you the programs that you need to enroll in. I'm going to hold your hand the whole way, but I'm going to keep it real with you and I'm going to make you do you I'm gonna make you do the work for yourself you know what I'm saying I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold you make you 
I'm going to hold you accountable when, when you're not holding yourself accountable. And we all going to make money moves at the end of the day. So you can um, follow me on all social media at The Great Jaden. You can uh, head to my website, letsmakemoneymoves.com, and learn about the services that I offer. And um, I got videos coming out. So I got videos, um, blackmaryfly.com slash money uh, for my video series, Black Mary Fly on a Budget, the podcast, The Bottom Line Podcast. It's a lot of stuff. It's yeah. Big shit popping. I'm telling you, big shit popping. But you got to follow me on social media in order to be privy to when I release everything. So make there sure you, you follow me on all social media at The Great Jaden. All right. And you guys know where you can follow me. But if you don't, you can follow me at CEO Hayes at CEO H-A-I-Z-E. This has been another great episode. Hope you guys took it in, got some information. Get you, make some money moves with Jaden. I want to hear some success stories of money moves with Jaden. So reach out to Jaden. Let him help you rebuild or repair your credit. But that's been it. This is episode 120, and we are out. Peace. We on a ultra light beam. We on a ultra light beam. This is a God dream. This is a God dream. This is everything. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Everything. Trying to keep my faith But I'm looking for more Somewhere I can feel safe And in my holy war I'm trying to keep my faith Why send oppression not blessings? Why oh why'd you do me wrong? You persecute the weak Because it makes you feel so strong Don't have much to fight, so I look to the light to make these wrongs turn right. Head up high, I look to the light. Hey, cause I know that you'll make everything alright. And I know that you'll take good care of your child. Oh, no longer am I afraid of the night. Cause I, I look to the I will shield your name, I will filter questions, I will feel your pain.